Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Speculation from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Now launching... Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? I have not lost faith in this football team, but it just shows you kind of what every week is a new week. You got to go out and play. And uh, just because somebody says that you're supposed to win doesn't mean that's going to happen. I don't think we took this team too lightly. I think they played really well today. Um, you know, I talked to him all week long about their defensive line. You know, I talked to him about uh, some of their players on offense. You know, I've, I mean, I, I talked to him pretty good about it this week. So I don't think that we took him too lightly. I think they came out and kicked our butts. Third and seven from the 10. Pressure on Cousins. Pocket collapsing. And Cousins, the ball comes out. And it looks like Buffalo's recovered. They got it. Buffalo football at the 15. Usually, like, once a year under Zimmer, we kind of have this game where just nothing goes right. Mm -hmm. This was that game. So, I mean, defensively, first half was horrible. And O-line was bad the whole game. And just Kirk was off. I mean, let's give Buffalo credit. I mean, they came ready to play. With all due respect, Manny Hill, to that caller, to yesterday's event line show, with all due respect to anybody who thinks that Buffalo, hey, it might, Buffalo might not, might not be that bad. I have covered, I've watched the Minnesota Vikings since 1978 on a consistent basis, and I have covered them for either the Star Tribune or this radio station since the 2005 season. Yep. I have never had, I have never watched a Vikings game where they lost like they did yesterday, and I had no explanation for it. I'll give you, I'll give you examples, okay? I'll give you examples of my explanation for previous complete debacles. Uh, Let's start with 2006. Last game, not a great team. Childress's first year as coach. Marcus Robinson had been cut on Christmas Eve. The players were sick of Brad. They played the Los Angeles Rams on December 31st of that year, and they lost 41-21. to And I could easily say the players gave up. That team wasn't that bad. It was bad, but it was not that bad. The players gave up. The players didn't care. Let's fast forward to Mike Zimmer, Bridgewater's first game as first regular season opener as a starter, September 14th, 2015. Mm-hmm. 20-3 loss at San Francisco, an embarrassing I loss. That. Okay. I could explain that in a heartbeat. Stupidest game plan of all time. You're starting a young quarterback 
and you have tailored the offense, not to him like everyone else does now, but you had tailored your offense to... To your 30-year-old running yes, back. it made no sense. It was yep. a stupid idea, but it was explainable. I will give you one last one, and I've got disagreement on, on this, but it's still my solemnly held belief that this was the case, that on December 18th of 2016, in a season that started off 5-0 and and had gone sideways by this point, the Indianapolis Colts came in to U.S. Bank Stadium and worked the Vikings to the tune of a 34-6 score. And I said, they no-showed that game. I don't think they cared by that point. The season had been a mess. Zimmer had, if you, you recall, they were 5-0. and They went to Philadelphia, and they lost one stinking game. Mm-hmm. And the head coach comes out and says, we were soft, rips people. And I think by that point, and oh, that's also the game where they brought Peterson back. After Peterson had dictated the terms of everything that he was going to do, Manny. That Colts game, yeah. And the, first two, and the first two plays went to him. And I think the players said, bleep this, we're done, we don't care. Didn't he He fumbled in that game, yes. too, didn't he? I yeah. think he fumbled perhaps on the second play. He definitely yeah. had two plays to start that game offensively. But anyway, the point being, in all these cases, they were embarrassing losses, but I could pretty immediately explain them. I cannot for the life of me, and I've thought about this now yeah. for 24 hours, I cannot for the life of me explain how a team that was a 17-point favorite against a team that was a complete train wreck for their first two games, mm-hmm. was embarrassed by Baltimore and then the Chargers, how the Vikings looked that pathetic in every aspect of that game. And listen, hold on a second here. Let's see if I can find let's see if I can find my favorite tool here on the button bar. Because I think this is appropriate right now. I think that this is absolutely appropriate. Where is the alarm here, Manny? Because I think that we could definitely sound the alarm on this. Because if you don't take this loss seriously if you don't look at this loss and say what the hell happened i think you're crazy this was a meltdown from everybody it was a meltdown from the quarterback the offensive line is a complete mess the defense is giving up they're doing something that we didn't see throughout the course of the 2017 season until the second half of the playoff game against the saints they're giving up huge plays now and they're giving up huge plays, and it's either on the nickel corner or the linebacker, and I can't decide whom. But the fact is, there were enough things yesterday that if you say to yourself, oh, it's just a blip, it's just one... No, it's not. It's not just one bad game. You don't play, Manny. You don't play that poorly in a game like that against an inferior team at home and just ha- have it be nothing. I got you covered here. Thank you. Thank you. Something is wrong. And I looked at Collar during the course of yesterday's game and I said, do you know something you're not telling me? You're out there every day. Do you know something? Is there a theory you've got? And he said, I have no clue. But something is wrong here. Something this, does seem off. Did that? If you can't lose like that, you... All right. We can safely say that for the first time since that Colts game, they were no-shows. They didn't show up for that game. Mm-hmm. Like there was no, there was nothing about that game where you're like, but ah, maybe they did. No, they they completely no showed that game. So here's what I can't figure out: why? Why did they no show? How long did you think to yourself, well, that's a really bad start, but they're going to come back? I I'll be honest with you, I thought even when Buffalo made it seventeen nothing, I thought, okay, this is pretty bad. But there's enough to this football team, and Buffalo is bad enough 
to where the Vikings can turn this around and, and end up winning this game by 10 points just because Buffalo was that bad and the Vikings have enough talent, but it just never happened. And I'll tell you, watching it, watching it here at the station with Phil and Jonathan, the Linval Joseph helmet-to-helmet hit that they called when he hit Josh Allen, which that, I think, really changed, set the tone for the entire afternoon because they had Buffalo three and out. They had Allen sacked, and who knows, you know, you have the whole butterfly effect coming in play here. Who knows how the game would have gone if that hadn't happened. But when that happened and then Anthony Barr got the face mask a couple plays later, you just gave Buffalo... 30 yards in penalties on their first drive after you had them stopped on their first set of downs. You had them stopped. Now you give them new life, hand them uh, them 30 extra yards. When Barr had the face mask, I thought, Okay, this doesn't something doesn't seem right. Here. Right, but that don't, but something doesn't seem right. And I'm with you on the fact that that definitely changed the complexion of one series. But it's one series against a really bad team, mm-hmm. and that doesn't give you license to check out completely. Right, they were checked out. I just don't know why. I I don't I don't know what went, but yeah. Listen, I, I don't think they were ready to play at all. But here, but okay, but I thought about that. And, and I don't and too. I don't and I don't understand why. But I thought about that storyline too. So so the storyline, the easy storyline to bring up was that they didn't take Buffalo seriously. That mm-hmm. they they underestimated and or weren't prepared for that game. But the more I thought about that, I thought, okay, let's let's explore that space. Let's go down the the Minnesota Vikings playing on Thursday against the Rams, overlook Buffalo. You lose that game by seven then. They got worked up and down the field all day long. So your theory is that I don't know what, after after Buffalo went down and scored the first touchdown that they like just checked out. I think they were. I I don't know. Perhaps they were checked or like out they're, or for, like they weren't the in it at game. all. They but they weren't. But the point is, if if Team A which was in the NFC title game last year, takes Team B, which is horse bleep, not seriously. We're not talking about, if this had happened in Green Bay in Week 2, it would be disappointing and surprising, but you'd say, okay, it's on the road, it's against Aaron Rodgers. You could come up with reasons. There's no reason why. You would have to be the most delusional Viking fan to say, well, Josh Allen's going to Canton now. So what what I'm saying is if we explore the narrative that the Vikings didn't take the bill seriously, that accounts for a seven-point loss. That accounts for a shocking, the field goal kicker comes in for Buffalo and wins the game at the last second. That accounts for that. was for the that. Vikings beating the 0-16 Lions 12-10. to 10 Amen. Yes. On, in Exa- 2008. Exa- they didn't take the Lions seriously, and they... Exactly. Okay. So, so, what I'm looking for here, I'm looking for an explanation, and I can't come up with it, and, and I... I think if you're a Viking fan, you got to be thinking long and hard about what we all thought about this team, our expectations right now, because this was as inexcusable and inexplicable of loss as you will find. Yeah, I I just can't. I just don't know what that was like. I, I mean, look, this in this league, anything can happen. Any team can beat another team, whether it's team number thirty-two playing team number one. They can beat that team. You know, you get a few bounces, you know, going your way. But this this did not really make a whole lot of sense to me at all. The way Buffalo looked in those in those first two games, and then to come in and just wipe the floor with the Vikings like that, but, I, and, I I don't I don't know. My 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 theory is that Zimmer didn't have them ready to play, but I don't know. But then you I lose, don't know. But then you lose by seven, yeah. like they didn't show up. 
They didn't show up, and I'm not. I'm not in the Colts game. But I was, why? I know. My, in the Colts game back in 2016, I think they were. I think they, they were, were mad out. at the world and checked out. I think they were sick of Adrian Peterson. I think they were sick of, of their head coach, who after one loss, after five wins, had ragged on them and said and said the worst thing that you can say in football, which is the my team was soft. So in that case, they were checked out and they no showed the game. And you might disagree with why I think that, but at least I at least I can give you a reason. This is one I can't yeah. for I can't come up with a good reason because it doesn't for make how sense. you can play this bad. And and all right, so let's just say because this league is weird. Let's just say it was one of those weird games. You lose by ten, then mm-hmm. you don't. And and this is not. I think part of the problem today is and Buffalo's listen. They've got some decent players, but not a lot of them. And I think part of the problem today is, and post-game yesterday was we turned this into, the Vikings didn't take the Bills seriously, and this is what happens because the Bills are better than we thought. No, they're not. They're not better than, than we thought. Josh Allen surprised me, but the most important thing you've got to keep in mind here is all of this has to be put back on the Vikings. The Vikings were at home. They're the superior team. Everything about this, quit. If you're a Vikings fan, quit saying, "Well, yeah, we took them lightly, and they're better." No, no, they're not. You had a rookie quarterback. Think about, think about how miserable this defense has made lives for some really good quarterbacks in the stadium. A fact that Collars talked about a lot, and he's exactly right. Yeah, this is this is all on one team, the Vikings. This isn't about applauding the Bills because if you applaud the Bills, what you're doing is you're giving the Vikings a pass for one of the most Awful, disgusting, inexcusable, inexplicable performances that you will see from a Vikings fan, a Vikings team that you consider to be a good team. But let me ask you this, though, because I agree with you. But if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, how do you feel like and more specifically, how do you feel about Josh Allen? Well, because he did go into that environment. And even though. I still have my reservations about him. There were certain things that he did in the game where I was like, okay, that more than anything, he probably heard all of the chatter that was said about him. Like, you've got no chance. You're not going to do, you've got no shot in this game. You're going into this environment against that defense. You're going to be awful. And we already don't think you're any good anyway. I mean, he had to have, me and Phil talked about this on Ventline yesterday. He had to have heard a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So he had to have walked into that game with a chip on his shoulder, and it, it kind of showed. Sure. and But once again, that goes back to if Josh Allen, if, if this is truly a game in which we should applaud him, they win by maybe a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They blew the Vikings out. The Vikings didn't show up. Josh Allen wasn't playing against any team I've seen in the last two years. Yeah. Jo- Josh Allen was playing against a team that maybe I think I saw – in December of 2016, which I think was the Colts game and that Packers debacle in Green Bay. So Josh Allen was essentially given a free pass on Sunday to have a great day against a team that was had no resemblance to a team we've seen and a defense we've seen. And now the question is... So good is, for him. Good. I, I, applaud, I applaud his effort. But, sure. but the, the thing about what happens in sports is we get fooled by things mm-hmm. and the bills yesterday to walk away from that and be like, man, Buffalo's a lot better. No, they're not. No, they're not. Buffalo's not very good, but Buffalo's probably going to win four or five games. But now the question is from a Viking standpoint, where the hell did that come from? And why, why did that happen? Why, why did they show up against a team that they should have 
I'm let's be honest that they should have blown out and and lay a complete egg because we even even in and we talked about an event line yesterday is this you know we had the toggle well is this the is this the worst loss that we could see in recent memory i would say yeah even worse than 41 donut or 38 to 7 because you lost those games on the road against good teams this what happened yesterday I, I, it's inexplicable. That's. Yes. I have no idea. I have no idea why it happened. I have no idea where it came from, and my only guess is that they weren't ready to play. But to your point, if they weren't ready to play, you would think they still would have found a way to win. Or if they would have lost, they would have lost by a touchdown. Right. You don't get or three points. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills led twenty-seven to nothing for most of that game, and you scored a touchdown that meant nothing. You were down twenty-seven rip at halftime. You Riley did, Reef, who has been pretty good, yeah. looked like a completely different player yesterday. Let's do this. I've got a a page full of notes about things to be concerned about, about things that went wrong, and about things that perhaps perhaps we were in all our excitement about this team ignoring. Let's uh, let's get to that next. The show is Mackie and Judd. Phil will join at four o'clock. Until then, it's Zolgad, Manny Hill. We're in the TCL broadcast studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley Doakley. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. I-94 westbound. We have a crash near uh, near Maple Grove uh, between Hemlock and 494. Look out for a crash that's uh, slowing your commute by about Four minutes. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Now with three wides. Allen. Now he's going down the field. He's got a man wide open. And it's a touchdown for the Bills. They Jason, did it. Jason Kroom. There was no one in that secondary at all, Tony. I've been a Vikings fan for 54 years, Oof. and I have not seen a loss quite as bad as that one. Yep. Now, granted, we lost 41 donut against the Giants, but they were a good team. This was a bad team. And in our own house, yeah. no less, we lay an egg like you wouldn't believe. It's just I pulled my hair out if I had any left, <laughs> and I don't. <laughs> And it's just unbelievable. That was a vent line from Sunday with Phil and Manny, and that caller was exactly right. That's as bad of a loss as I've seen. That's as embarrassing as a loss. as bad one as I could remember, yeah. Um, and you know what? Collar and I and Phil and you probably deserve all the heat that we got via Twitter Sunday about, hey, you guys, didn't you? I said, yeah, they're going to cover the spread, which was 16.5 to 17 points. I said they're going to cover that spread, and I think they'll win by 20. How many different people that we talked to, guests that we had on the show all week, did I ask the question of why are the Bills throwing Josh Allen into this situation? Why are they throwing him into this situation against that defense in that stadium? He's already raw and probably shouldn't be starting anyway. Why would you put him out? Why would you put him out there in that situation? And I mean, I I just I can't explain it. I cannot explain. But I agreed with you completely. Yeah, I, I think I a lot of people looked at it that Peterman. way. I would have yeah. started him and said, throw him to the Wolves, and if he yeah. gets hurt, he gets hurt. I really I th- don't care about I think, him. I care about Josh Allen. Judd, I think a lot of people looked at this game like, what are the Bills doing? 
Why are they throwing this kid into that situation? And it turns out it ended up not even mattering because the Vikings, for whatever reason, just didn't show up or they didn't, they weren't ready to play or they just, it, it, it's, it's inexplicable. But I want the why. Yeah. I, I want the why. I want something to come out to explain this to me because at least to explain it to me and maybe it is something drastic. I don't know. But then I might be able to say, oh, okay. Because right now, nothing, nothing. Right now, did, I look at this and say, I don't know. This they did is, nothing well yesterday. Nothing. And this isn't a, a close loss. That's a bad loss. This is, uh, you are, you, this looked like the Bill Walsh 49ers against you. This looked like you played a great team. And we know that's not not yeah. the case. The astounding thing here, they the Bills did to them what everybody was expecting them to do to the Bills. Absolutely. The Bills closed as consensus 17-point underdogs. Okay? They are the 15th underdog of 17 or more points to win a game in the Super Bowl era, the Bills are, and the largest underdog to pull off an upset since Washington knocked off Dallas 24-17 as 17-and-a-half-point dogs on December 3rd, 1995. There have been 24 favorites of 17 or more points since that game, and each of them won. This now, is this is a historic Vegas Vegas, which by the way doesn't get this stuff wrong much. Now that 95 Cowboys team did go on to win the Super Bowl that year. <laughs> yeah, but that but but, but no, I know right, I know. but that's but that goes back to what we're saying is 24 17. Okay, yeah. you got beat. It was embarrassing, but you lost by seven. Yeah. You didn't give up 27 points. All right, would you like me to start? I've got a list of concerns here. Would you like me to start with um, the rushing game, the offensive line, which obviously is part of the rushing game, or the quarterback? Hmm. Because I've got a Kirk Cousins stat that is that we, Collar talked about this a lot, and it hadn't bitten the Vikings in the butt yet, but it bit them in a big way on Sunday. Should we spin the uh, wheel of dysfunction, perhaps? Absolutely. Wheel of dysfunction on Mackie and Judd. What do we have? Come on, come on. Oh, we got quarterback. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you a... Kirk Cousins stat, and it has nothing to do with three years and $84 million. I looked this up today. Since becoming the starter in Washington in 2015, Kirk Cousins, so this includes the first three games here as well. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins has 34 fumbles Ooh. and has lost 13 of them. Now, now, what this ties into perfectly is the offensive line. And some of, okay, some of what happened yesterday is surprising. And the score is shocking. But some of the faults of what happened yesterday are also predictable. And part of it is this. So Kirk Cousins going into, so let's take out, let's take out the day yesterday. So since 2015, he became the starting quarterback in Washington. So I think we'd be down to 32 fumbles, 11 lost, something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, you look at those stats. If you're Spielman, Zimmer, the Vikings, the analytics team looks at those stats and says, all right, if we're going to make this move, we're going to sign this guy because he's got a good arm and the comeback in Green Bay, Manny, was super impressive. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to do that, we got to protect him. Now, Kirk Cousins, don't mistake this. Kirk Cousins can throw on the run. He can do that. He can roll out and throw. But he's not what you would call a mobile quarterback for the most part. And, and it doesn't seem like he's willing to be mobile either he likes to sit in the pocket he does and and you know what that's his prerogative he's a court so mm-hmm. okay exactly that's what you want 
But furthermore, have you noticed? But if he's going to be that way, you have there has to be a, a more of a sense of urgency to protect him. But have you noticed from his end too? Now here's the here's the indictment, but it's it's just him. Do you get the feeling, the distinct impression that he doesn't? And I I think I brought this up after the Packer game as well. He doesn't sense pressure. Oh yeah, like Keenum, and I, I'm not. I'm not going back now and ripping the decision to sign Kirk and and let Case go to Denver. Right. But what I in watching Cousins now a lot, he doesn't sense that backside pressure, which means it can't. Which he's, means he's like oblivious to it. Which means he has to be protected really well. And unfortunately for the Vikings yesterday, for the first time in three games, Riley Reef was awful. Oh God, he was bad. But that, but. Let's just say he comes back and rebounds and has a good game on Thursday night. Nonetheless, the rest of this offensive line is not is not acceptable, and it never was. Mm-mm. And if you get Elfline back, it helps, but you're still Rashad Hill got hurt again yesterday. Yeah, he did. And but the way this offensive line has been built, especially after what they did, they knew they screwed up in sixteen. So I thought they did a pretty good job of correcting it in seventeen. Mm-hmm. But to ignore it again and not do more, what happened yesterday from that standpoint is going to happen again. And Kirk Cousins is not going to improve and anticipating pressure. He's past the point. But and, those and, numbers and, again, and, man. And, third, look at, and don't look now, but you got the bleeping L.A. Rams and the Philadelphia. You got Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox to well, deal with. And Indomitian Sue on that and line. And Sue yeah. in the next two oh, yeah. in the next two games. Yes. 34 fumbles, 13 loss. That's terrible. Oof. According to, I saw this stat uh, via a, I think, radio guy from Buffalo today. According to Next Gen Stats, Jerry Hughes, 15, mm-hmm. 15 five pressures on Sunday. He was one Hughes who played well yesterday. Yeah, that's the most in an NFL <laughs> game in the last three seasons. The Bills had four sacks. Hughes had one, but he had 15 pressures. The most in the last three seasons for a player. One guy. One guy. Yeah. But this is this is the offensive line. This is the offensive line that you have. You knew what you were getting. And you knew. You knew when you didn't address it, especially with the guard in the draft, that it was it's to do that is inviting disaster. And Nick Easton, your left guard going out, is an enormous blow. But you knew when you didn't address that. When you said, you know, when when Zimmer got up there, Manny, after week one at, at his press conference, and Hughes had gotten the pick in that game for the touchdown against San Francisco, and when Zimmer got up there and pulled out the old, well, a lot of people thought we should take a guard, but this kid's pretty good, and he is pretty good eventually. He's not very good right now, mm-hmm. and I'm not even upset about that. Sure. But the haughtiness of, and they do this so often, will no, be No, we fine. got it. Don't worry about it. We know what we're And doing. these are first guesses from Lehman. Outsiders, us, fans, fans that care, fans that actually care. Mm-hmm. The diehards are lost causes. I don't, that's fine. But fans that actually care about this team and say, okay, how for the first time in the godforsaken 50 plus year existence of this franchise can they win a Super Bowl? And you get the haughty, well, Hughes pick looks pretty good right now, doesn't it? And you think to yourself, don't say that, Mike. You're inviting disaster. Uh, the run game. Mm, the run game. 29th in the National Football League. 
They are mm-hmm. averaging 3.5 yards per carry. Yesterday, because they were so screwed up. They ran the ball six four times. times. Well, six times yeah, total. Six times total. Two of them were scrambled by Cousins. 14 yards. So four runs by your running backs. Yes. Tied the National Football League records since the 1970 merger for fewest rushes. Yeah, four, four rushes. Four rushes. And Dalvin Cook was out, which I also don't have a problem with. If Dalvin Cook's hurt, he should sit. The other stat, though. So Dalvin Cook, when he was in, because Viking fans, the diehards will say, well, yeah, but Cook didn't play, so it's going to be so much better. First two games. Uh, San Francisco game, Manny Hill. 40 yards on 16 carries for Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Last game, 38 yards against the Packers on 10 carries. And according to Collar, uh, he cited a statistic that Dalvin Cook led the league going into week three in yards after contact, which means he's being hit immediately. So the final score yesterday is shocking. The lack of effort is inexcusable, and I can't explain it. But there are problems. But there are there are real there are pro- serious problems. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And a light is being shined on those right now. And here's here's the scary thing. I don't know if you can fix them. And I didn't even get into the fact the defense well, is now the being offense, gashed. Well, the the offensive line. I mean, you. The only thing that the only thing that can change on the offensive line is that elf line is back and fully ready to here's, go. Because then you, I guess, you move Brett Jones to left guard. Here's what I would do. But I would. That's kick, that's the only. That's really the only hope that you have on in terms of improving the offensive line. Mike Remmers is a highly paid player who I think is a nice player and actually did a, a nice job at right tackle last year, but he's not a great player. What I would do is I would, and this does not fix it, but it might it might put a tourniquet on it a little bit. Elfline comes back and starts on Thursday. He's got to play. He has to play. Mm-hmm. Um, do you put Brett Jones at right guard and I Remmers ki- at right tackle? Back at right tackle? Actually, I kick, yes. I kick Jones to, I think he's more of a left guard. So then you move Compton over Compton to right guard? I kick Compton to right guard, which is not ideal. Compton's a backup. He's not. He, he shouldn't be starting, but right. uh, for, for the sake of for the sake of where things stand right now, I put Compton at right guard, Remmers back at right tackle. Remmers not a great guard. And, and the other the other haughty thing that these guys did, I love that word. The other <laughs> but the other thing that these guys did, which you looked at and you're like, what are you doing? Is when Easton got hurt last year in Green Bay, they're the same geniuses that took Remmers off a of right tackle and put him at left guard. And they did it for the Saints game. And I went up to a PR guy and I'm like, oh, oh, so can you tell me how many starts this guy has at left guard? Because clearly if you're – because to go from the right side of the line to the left side is me telling you to write, write with your opposite hand for a day. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy assignment. It, you, it, we might all think, oh, it's just blocking, but it's a bunch of technique stuff, and you've got to use the other side of your brain and all that good I stuff. I remember a former contributor to, contributor to this radio station who is a former member of the Minnesota Vikings talked about that often about how it's not easy to just even moving from right guard to left guard. That is not an easy thing to do because like you said, it is like trying to write with your opposite hand. So I put Remmers back at right tackle, but I don't understand why again in the playoffs to move him to left guard to me made no sense. And I think he's been out of place since the day they said, well, you can play guard. So we're going to have you at guard. So, uh, you know what? Tibbs spoke today, finally. It was media day at Target Center. I was there, and I'm Manny Hill. The room was full. 
It was SRO. I was standing up, but it was uh, worth it. Let's come back and uh, play some clips of what Tibbs had to say about if the Wolves will actually trade Jimmy Butler. And I'm going to play you one in particular that's going to lead you maybe down the path of that Tibbs has told the owner he's going to trade Jimmy, but he very well might be dragging his feet. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. You know, and it's not unusual. This has happened before, and not just our team. It won't be the last person that requests a trade. And we've had players here, and since I've been here, uh, that have requested trades. And so if, if something makes sense and can make your team better, it's always about until you win it, you've got to keep looking at how you can improve. I don't think that I have ever seen two people so uncomfortable in a press conference <laughs> sitting at a table than Tibbs and uh, Wolves GM Scott Layden today, who did about a 25-minute press conference, Manny Hill, yep. in which I believe there was one non-Jimmy Butler and or related question. And uh, that soundbite, we've got a couple more, was from the uh, press conference today. All right, so since we last talked, it came out Friday night that Glenn Taylor basically told Tibbs and Layden, you've got to start taking calls. You've got to start entertaining trades. I believe when we, I believe when I saw you last that it was a situation where the reports were that, Lay, that Layden had been told by Tibbs, who's his boss, don't even field the calls. Correct. Mm-hmm. And Taylor was, and, and Glenn Taylor at some point Friday at the NBA Board of Governors, I believe, in New York, in yep. New York had said, okay, if they're not answering the phone or, or they're not taking you seriously, just call me. Come to me, yep. All right, so then I think over the weekend we got clarity in which Glenn got to his employees and said, hey, dummies, I'll fire you probably. So they they changed their tune and said that they would start to entertain offers. Saturday night it broke that Carl Anthony Towns had finally signed the Supermax deal for which he's eligible and I think had been sitting on the table for a while now. Yep. Now, now that led me down the path of Carl Anthony Towns has clearly been told that Jimmy Butler's gone. That they picked, they picked Cat. They said, we love you most. And that, I think, came from Glenn, not Tibbs or Scott Layden. So that deal was made official on Sunday which led me to believe that Jimmy Butler will never be seen at Target Center again. But then we found out today that he actually is at Target Center, underwent a physical, mm-hmm. and then uh, let me, so let me play, let's start here for you, because I can't decide if Tibbs is on board with this, or if Tibbs is trying to make it seem as if he's on board with the idea of trading his guy, Jimmy. So in terms of where Jimmy is, uh, he came in, he did his physical, he still needs a little time to uh, uh, finish up his his rehab and some conditioning, so he's probably a week away. Uh, and this isn't the first time we've had requests uh, for players to be traded. So anytime that happens, you know, you you look at what's available and if it makes sense for the team. And if it makes sense for the team, we'll do it. But Jimmy needs about a week, and and we're going to give that to him. All right, so I got a question for you here, Manny Hill, mm-hmm. as a uh, as a guy who avidly follows this team and yep. has for a long time. All right, it seems like a small thing, but it's not. Tibbs is of the Belichick ilk, very much so. He today is Monday, and if I asked him that question, he might deflect it. 
If I said, is it cloudy outside? He probably would say, I don't talk about that. So to vo- so to volunteer in yeah, don't an, talk about the weather in an early response to volunteer that Jimmy is going through a rehab of some sort is really odd for him. Like th- there's an end game there. Yeah, that to me, and there are some points where he did say things that you have to say to try and get the best trade possible. But the fact that he volunteered up a player in a rehab situation sends off bells and whistles to me that that is a major dragging of the feet move. Because if that's the case, if there's something wrong, now teams are going to be like, okay, what's wrong? And to publicly throw that out there seems odd to me. Yeah. Well, and then Jace Frederick, our guy, last question we don't have audio of this, but the last question for Tibbs before they were done was that if if you're not able to trade Jimmy, if you're not able to get a deal for him, then, you know, is he going to show up? Is he going to be here? And Tibbs just simply said yes. Which would be incredibly awkward. Yep. And, and now, okay, but here's where I'm straddling this. In fact, let's see here. What's the... What's this final soundbite? Because this might fall into what, what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Tibbs Butler. No, it, it doesn't. So what I don't get about this is there were instances where Tibbs said the right thing. Because his whole thing about, and he and Layden said this probably four times between them, we're not going to give Butler away. We're going to, we've got to get something. We're, we're not going to just hand him to a team because he's asked to be traded. Completely get that. Makes sense. Because you're going to try and, and and drive. In the limited time that you probably have here, you're going to try and drive his value, and you're going to make teams think, oh, I've got to give you something because if I don't do it and I'm the heat, then the Clippers are going to come get, get him or a different team. So that part of it makes some sense to me. But the question is... The Butler going to camp thing sort of makes sense because I don't think you would do that. But again, you've got to create a perception among teams that want him that you would, right? Yeah. The rehab thing is the weirdest thing. You don't have because to Because Tibbs has never really been that transparent never. about stuff like that. This would be like Belichick saying it. Yeah. There there is no reason why unless you wanted to actually slow a process, there's no reason Tom Tom did not find God and decide, you know what, those media guys, they they work hard, those guys and gals from the media. I'm going to tell them the truth. He's not an idiot. He knows he no, knows he's the not. pressure is on. He's not, but there's no... He knows He knows we're talking. But there's but there's no part of volunteering that rehab angle up where you say, you know what, I get that because it makes sense to make it... It doesn't make sense to make a trade. It drags things. Yeah. I just don't... I mean, it, it, to me, when Jimmy comes up to you and says, I need... I, I, I Get me out of here, basically. You got to make it happen. You got to put, and remember, I remember I, I said this last week. I said that I don't think Tom Thibodeau can objectively handle this situation. And I think that this talking about his rehab and to your point of maybe trying to slow this process or delay something like that to me just reeks of him not being able to objectively handle this situation. And he can he can go in front of the 
the the, the press conference in front of the media and say, you know, we're going to do what's right for the team. Well, what's right for the team is trading Jimmy Butler right now because Jimmy Butler doesn't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's right in that you don't just want to trade him just to get him out of here, but you do need to go. There needs to be some proactiveness in this. Like you, you've got to go into this and the, the, the goal, the end goal of this needs to be getting a Jimmy Butler trade. Do you think, and trying to delay that for whatever reason makes no sense. Do you think that in, in truthfulness, that Tibbs and Taylor are truly on the same page right now. I don't. I don't think so. Because that's the most important thing. I don't think so. I think Tibbs because to me, to, to me, it sounds like just from quotes that I've seen from people that have spoken to Glenn Taylor or heard him speak, you know, this weekend, it sounds to me like like Glenn wants to get this done like post haste, like right now, like yesterday. Well, and I think they probably told Towns it's getting done very quickly. Yeah, like, I, because I think otherwise, why, otherwise, why would Cat when they're still he we're still two and a half, three weeks away from the deadline? Why would Cat just suddenly well, sign his deal? And and unless he knew that something was happening. And a point that you brought up off air, which is probably the worst thing of, of all for this franchise's health, is Tibbs is still saying it's all it's all about getting the components to win now. Mm-hmm. So there's no thought given to where this franchise is going. I think Tibbs, I think Tibbs now, and, and this and this is another reason why it'd be wise to probably make a change. I think Tibbs now sees this, he no longer sees himself as as president of basketball operations for this club, Manny. I think he sees himself as a head coach on the hot seat with one year left. And everything he's going to do now is going to be about that one year. Yeah. And nothing and nothing he's going to do. The, the Towns thing comes from Taylor. So nothing that Tom is going to do, as far as I can tell, is going to be with the best interest of the Timberwolves' future. And so he's going to run this thing as a head coach would for one year. And the president of basketball ops is going to tell the, the GMs, stand, stand down, Scott, stand down. I'm doing yeah. this. I'm doing this my way. And this circles back to you not thinking that Tibbs and Taylor are on the same page. And if that's the case, I don't think, and I think you're right at all. Then I think you have to make a change. I don't think you can take this chance here. And you can't drag your feet because the feet have already been dragged all summer long. All right, we'll take a break. TCL broadcast studios. Uh, Mackie will join at four o'clock. Courtney Cronin in the five o'clock hour for the football hour as our guy Collar is traveling to Los Angeles to cover the Vikings Rams on Thursday, where hopefully we won't have another debacle. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Zequel. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on your traffic brought to you by Menards. Uh, things pretty quiet right now. Some crashes earlier have been uh, cleared out. There is one crash, 35W southbound. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, if you're headed southbound on, on W in Bloomington between 94th and 98th Street, there's a crash there that might slow things down for you. Otherwise, uh, things moving rather smoothly around the system right now. It is uh, 3.54 as Mackie and Judd rolls on. Do you ever wonder, sir, how, how we do it or why we do it? Minnesota sports fans. <laughs> Think about this weekend. How we survive it? Well, the, the, okay. How the, we endure it? Okay, the cat thing is good news. So mm-hmm. I, I get that. 
But if you think about it, this weekend, you have the Butler thing continuing, and it's turned into a complete saga. It, it's embarrassing. You know, you have your head coach, basically, or your chief basketball executive refusing to do what the owner says, and the owners in New York telling his fellow league executives, no, I'll just take the phone calls. That's embarrassing. The Vikings <laughs> don't just lay an egg. They humiliate themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you have go for football. I'm not even surprised. Okay, the, the loss to Maryland... Manny Hill doesn't shock me. It me little, neither. It's a little disappointing, but you know what? This is a freshman laden team. Yep. This is the t- this is what I expected, yeah. and and I will say that the Fresno State game fooled me a little bit. I thought to myself, okay, it might not be as bad as I thought, but that was a home game, and so they lost. They got worked themselves on Saturday, and I was like, well, this is a little bit disappointing, but you know, this is not. Oh my God, I thought they were going to a real good bowl game or something. There were some people that thought that. Antoine Winfield Jr., though. Yeah. What broke his foot out for the season? Same in the I same love, the same point of the season he got hurt last year. I know. And against I, Maryland. And how fun is that kid to watch? I know. He was one of the if you were going to say, all right, you know what? Realistically, this goal for football season is not going to be very good, and it's going to be a tough year. And hopefully 2019 that changes. But if I still w- want to watch this team. In 2018. He's the one. Antoine Winfield Jr. was a reason to watch him. Mm-hmm. A big reason. Yeah. That that punt return that punt return in game one and the pick against Fresno State were phenomenal plays. They were great plays. Yeah. And now he's done. One weekend. One weekend. You've got a year ago. You've got a star basketball player who you think is going to galvanize this whole thing, and the Wolves finally do make the playoffs, and now he's desperate to get out. Mm-hmm. And and you've got bickering in the front office because they can't decide who's going to trade him, and and so you got that. You've got Gopher football with the one player who is probably worth the price of admission is now out for the season, and the Vikings lay a complete egg. We don't even care about the fact that Ms. Miguel Sano has been shut down again and is going to end the season batting 199 and Byron Buxton is home or God knows where. If I was the Twins, I would send all of these teams thank you cards. I'd say not that we were being paid attention to, but I really appreciate this. The, the best news that I saw all weekend long, Manny Hill actually appeared in the St. Paul Pioneer Press via Charlie Walters column. The Twins have severed ties with the, this is how we baseball people. Whatever marketing company gave them the idea for, this is how we baseball, the Twins said, you know what, that no, no, no none of that next year. Yeah, it, That'll be all. It might be the best decision the Twins made all season long. That might be the most, that might be the soundest, and I don't know of who that comes from. It's the business side, I'm sure. But if you were to look at all the moves that the Twins ended up trying to make in 2018 to improve themselves and what a nothing really worked circus it became and how bad that marketing slogan was the best call all season long might be somebody finally picking up a phone and saying this is how we baseball people we're not going to bring you back this is a really it was really really lame and a bad idea i miss get to know him that was my favorite and all i've said is this if you have a good one like that by all means use it but you don't need one every year one they, th- and unless it's going to be as, as witty and clever as get to know them, then that's within, there's no reason for it. In the last, what years? How how When did we get to the mandatory slogan per year? It didn't used to be like that. I don't know. You know, the Wolves now have one every year. 
The wild. I think the wild. Are we like, rolling with all eyes north again this year? I don't know what they're going to roll with, but I they've had heard, one on a yearly basis. One, yeah. uh, it's the 30th anniversary of the. Franchise I think the wild year. might have two because I think they're going to keep this is our ice, but then they might have a slogan too as well. A sub slogan. It's just you don't need one. <laughs> you don't need one. But I'm just glad that the twins had the had the thought process, the wherewithal to pick up the phone and say. You know, this has been a rough few days for sports teams in this town. We're going to get rid of this silly slogan. It's gone. Mackie joins next. The show Mackie and Judd. Uh, Courtney Cronin at 5 o'clock for the football hour. TCL Broadcast Studios. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. On 1500 ESPN.